This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the real me. Be on us here on the Colleen and Bradley <laughs> show because you never know what you're going to hear. Uh, during the weekend between Christmas and New Year's. Hi, I'm Bradley Trainer. Who are you, ma'am? I'm Holly Roberts. And sir, your name? I'm Brian. Okay. On the ones and twos. On the ones and... What does that mean? That's a DJ, a DJ term. Oh, <laughs> God! I'm naive and amateurish. Um, welcome. I've brought you all here today because, actually, you had no choice. Because this is where we work. And this is our job from noon to three. And we're live! And we are live on the radio, and we have a very important question for you. And that question is posed today by Holly. Have you shown... That's my Holly impression. Have you shown your favorite movie to your kids? Did they like it? 651-641-1071. Holly, why are we asking this very important question Well, this very important question was inspired by an article that I saw on Esquire. And the writer is making the argument that there are movies that you shouldn't watch with your kids. Oh, Bachelor Party. Don't watch that movie with your kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a little awkward. But this author of this article is presenting movies like Forrest Gump. Oh. Oh. oh, Top Gun. Okay, so maybe movies you didn't think you shouldn't watch with your kids. Well, what the what the person is arguing is that the nostalgia of particular movies are not going to resonate with kids, so that you shouldn't show them oh. to your kids. But I take beef with that. Okay, beef away. All right, I'm going to beef away with this Esquire article, meaning that you're not giving kids the benefit of the doubt. That these movies could serve as portals to discovery, meaning, okay, that's deep. Yeah, well, meaning, okay, so let's take Forrest Gump, for example. That movie hasn't really, it's a lot of people's favorite movies. I've never seen Forrest Gump. It's fine. You don't need to see it. However, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of baby boomer nostalgia in Forrest Gump. That's what fuels the movie. And what this author is saying is like, well, don't show Forrest Gump to your kids because they're not going to get it. My argument is, is like, let that serve as an element or a portal to discovery for kids. Meaning like, yeah, kids watch stuff all the time and some of the stuff might go over their heads. Yeah. But you're not you're not encouraging them to be curious about what they're watching. It's like maybe they got to do a little homework in order to appreciate Forrest Gump and all the references. Maybe So the- is the argument again not to watch Forrest Gump with your kids that so much is going to be over their heads and it'll be lost on them? Yeah. Well, that's stupid. Because <laughs> <Thank> life <you. laughs> Because life is about watching things and taking in what you can and then maybe revisiting it at a different point in your life. That's kind of the fun of watching movies. Like, I I can't tell you how many movies I saw as a kid and was like, this is dumb. Why would I watch this? But then you watch it again as an adult and you go, oh, I get it now. But that doesn't mean you should only watch. Oh, this is a bigger issue. Because this makes me think of like all the things where like we gear everything for kids particularly. Yeah. And I didn't have that experience as a kid. And this is where I'm going to sound a thousand years old. Try me. But like, we, you know, uh, how do I put this? I mean, there were some kid-focused things in my life. Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, right? Right. But for the most part, the TV I watched as a kid was like the TV that everybody watched. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is important because you sh- you should be able to live in a world where you don't understand everything 
and things go over your head. Right, exactly. Like the author of this article is making the argument that don't show Top Gun to your kids because I'm reading from the article. It has a long, a lot of long talky scenes about the rules of engagement and a lot of scenes of Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis wooing each other. And then this person saying, well, our kid didn't make it past 30 minutes, but expose the kid. If it's your favorite movie or if it's just whatever, give your kid the benefit of the doubt being that they can use this as a way to discover the human world. Exactly. And the question again is, have you shown your favorite movie to your kids and did they like it? And Brian, we've got a couple people on the line. Who should we go to first? Let's go to Monica. All right. Monica is on the line. Monica, did you show your favorite movie to your kids and did they like it? Oh, I show my kids everything. Um, They're older now, but at a young age, uh, yeah, they watched all my favorite movies and my favorite movie being Goodfellas. Oh, Monica. Chef's kiss to that. Now, how old were they when they saw Goodfellas for the first time? They were very young. I mean, that's my favorite movie. That's like our holiday movie. And let me tell you something. My kids have a great, they have an amazing movie palette now because of that. Yeah. I love this. See, this is like, it makes me think of like taking your kids to a restaurant and like, you know, letting your kids order off the big menu versus. And let me tell you, I do that too. My kids are not one of these kids that go to those restaurants and they're like, Ew, I just want a hamburger. No, they don't do that. <laughs> I take them to all the, like I take them to Middle Eastern restaurants. I take them everywhere. And my kids are just well-rounded. And let me tell you something, just because I showed them that movie doesn't mean that they curse. They don't curse at all. You would think that they would after watching that, but they don't. I love this. Monica, thank you so much for sharing your very well thought out opinions. I, (laughs) yes, I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Thank you, Monica. Let's go to, I think we have Kim on the line and Kim, do you show your favorite movie to your kids? What'd they think? Yes, absolutely. I'm on the same page with Monica. Um, My kids have seen Goodfellas. They've seen Forrest Gump. They've seen Die Hard. They've seen Top Gun. I kind of make them watch everything that I kind of loved. And, again, they're a little older. But even when they were younger, like, I would say they watched some stuff that might not be super age-appropriate. But when I was growing up, they didn't have the ratings. Mm-hmm. So I watched yeah. super inappropriate oh, films, yeah. I'm sure, at a young mm-hmm. age. And it was all over my head. Yeah. Um, but it was just that family time together. These kids have video games that are far more violent and awful. And the social media and the TikTok is they're getting it outside of the home more than inside of the home at least with a movie i can sit down and vocalize and talk and have conversations about what's going on yeah what i would find appropriate my expectations that's not there when they're on their on their phones no matter how guarded i think they are so i think movies in any genre are are a good idea and i think i think that's family time yeah absolutely and you're and you're building you know the next generation of Avid movie watchers, for sure. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, thank you, Kim. We did get a couple of emails. So one is from Genevira saying that they showed Monty Python and the Holy Grail to my kids years ago, and they didn't understand, but they laughed, and they quote it to this day, and now they've rewatched it and understand it now. Right, like that's a thing, for example, with Monty Python, where you watch it and you get the silliness, like you can get the main silliness layer as a kid, and then when you get older, you can understand the deeper satirical things that they were trying to do with their comedy. But it takes time. I also think there's just a place for movies to be made, and I, I, I don't know, you you would know a lot more about the way movies are made then versus now. But I, I kind of feel like the sort of stratification of movies with like different age appropriate audiences, like, you know, G PG, all that stuff like that creates these separate, like, like, Oh, you're never going to show in our film to kids. 
So those movies are never going to speak to kids where you could have a movie that speaks to both kids and adults at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it creates opportunity. Like, so you don't have to just make a movie for a very specific audience. Right. You can make it for, you know, multiple people to watch. Yeah. I mean, well, I just th- feel like today we're so siloed. Like if you're five to six, you should watch this. And if you're, you know, seven to nine, you should watch this. And like, maybe you could just watch something with your parents. Not that they're going to like it. Cause how many times have you, sat down with a kid or somebody younger who hasn't seen something you love and they're like, I don't get it. You're like, oh, God. oh, oh kids today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've all had that experience. Yeah. All right. Well, Holly, that was a great question. I wish we could talk about it uh, at length, but we can't because when we come back, we have to talk about the Duchess of Success. No, I didn't say Sussex, although they're one in the same. I'll tell you why we're talking about Meghan Markle when we return right here on My Talk 1071. It's a Christmas miracle. Meghan Markle got the Daily Mail to do the unthinkable. Print the truth. It's what? true. I know. Wow. Happy happy week between Christmas and New Year's. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Colleen and Bradley show. I'm the Bradley. Colleen will be back next week, as will everybody be back uh, from the vacation. But for the ride, you've got myself, Holly, and Brian. And then this afternoon, I don't know. Is there a Lori and Julia here today? Today? Uh, you know, I think a Lori is here. Okay. A Grant is here. And I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll find it's, out. Uh, it's a mixed bag. That's right. Of, <laughs> mixed uh, nuts is melo- what we should call this week. Well, there's a lot of nuts hey. on this show. Figuratively speaking, of course. Although, I mean, uh, anyway. Uh, hi, <laughs> Meghan Markle. <laughs> uh, it is a Christmas miracle. I saw this this story, and the first term that came to mind was the Duchess of Success. She has succeeded where others have failed. Meghan Markle receives a public apology after her lawsuit victory against the Daily Mail, in which they were required, the Daily Mail was, to print a public apology of sorts. So... I don't really care about these stories most of the time because I feel like, you know, I think Meghan Markle has been like unfairly criticized by a lot of people in the world. And I also feel like everybody knows the Daily Mail for the most part is just not a. (laughs) Yeah, they're just not very nice a lot of times. No, they're not to put a Minnesota spin on it. But um. I will say that this this was actually very good news for Meghan Markle because she, following multiple rulings that the Daily Mail and the, uh, well, it's called the Mail on Sunday, but essentially the Daily Mail um, and their website breached her privacy back in 2019. You'll remember that's when they published that five-page letter she wrote to her dad, and that was shortly after the royal wedding in 2018. Um, so she had a, a case of copyright infringement, basically saying that they didn't have the right to publish that. They did. And as part of the ruling, the judge was like, okay, Daily Mail, you now have to print online this um, notice. And the notice, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it essentially says the Duchess of Sussex wins her legal case for copyright infringement against Associated Newspapers for articles published in the mail on Sunday and posted in the mail online. They go on, blah, blah, blah. But this is big for Meghan Markle because... You know, again, I think she's been unfairly attacked from a lot of places. And you start to understand why when you realize that a major media instrument was, you know, uh, sort of at the forefront. Right. Like you begin to understand it's not just because you can hear people say like, Megan, I don't really like that. Megan Markle. She seems kind of 
some way and you're like, well, why do you feel that way? Do you know Meghan Markle? And if you start to think about for any length of time why you have feelings about Meghan Markle, you realize very quickly that it's probably because you saw a Daily Mail headline. Mm -hmm. Also find out where the Daily Mail comes from and who's, you know, footing the bill for that experience. Right. And how do they report on other women like Meghan Markle? Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, you so, don't say. So if you start to think at any length, it, it becomes clear that the Daily Mail has a outsized effect on the way we perceive people, celebrities most notably. And when they're women or women of color in, in particular, you know, there's a pattern here. And so it's nice to see that they're actually being called out and held to account because that doesn't happen very often with tabloids. Right, no, Holly? no, it doesn't. And. The UK's laws are different than they are in the United mm-hmm. States. And so that legal ruling and what was decided here for the mail on Sunday to do uh, has everything to do with UK laws and all that kind of stuff. What, what's fascinating about this is actually looking at this mail on Sunday article and the Daily Mail not wanting to draw a single ounce of attention to this post because you definitely have to dig for it. Yeah. You have to do your Google research. It was published on Christmas Day at six at night. Mm. So when nobody's looking at the Internet, when nobody's looking at the Internet. So one can read into that. The Daily Mail is like, yes, we are legally obligated to publish this statement on our website, but we're doing it in a way so that you are not paying attention to this at all and that we can continue our narrative about her in the way that we have constructed it in the past mm-hmm. it's like well, we have to do this oh and <laughs> i i guarantee they'll continue to publish negative stories about Meghan markle yes. uh, and prince harry because that's the sort of conversation they want to have but at least at least at the very least we know they're not going to be able to run wild with you know um printing things that they don't have the right to publish which yeah I mean, it's good to see that there are some standards because, again, in the United States, you talked about how the UK has different rules. And in fact, it's actually easier, I think, if I remember my media law in the UK well enough and I don't know anything about it. But from what I've read, it's actually a lower bar to hold media um, entities accountable in the, in a way that it's very hard to hold media entities accountable in the United States. Hey, it's Mike, and I'm so excited to tell you about Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. We're all busy, and with Factor, eating fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals has never been simpler. Two minutes is all you need to heat and eat wherever you are. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week, Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash btpod50 and use code btpod50 to get 50% off. That's code btpod50 at factormeals.com slash btpod50 to get 50% off. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel.
or I should say as compared to how we hold or who we hold accountable in the United States. So it's it's notable or I should say not notable, but it's understandable why she was able to be successful in a way that she probably wouldn't be able to be successful here in in her own country. Right. Well, for example, it's why Johnny Depp, probably a big reason why Johnny Depp decided to go through that libel lawsuit over in the UK, the bar being lower. Now, ultimately, it didn't work out for Johnny Depp. There's still that lawsuit going on in the United States concerning Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, and the Washington Post. That thing is still alive. we are going to talk about that thing in the next hour. Do you know why? Because I didn't even realize this. Because of all people, James Franco is going to be deposed in that case. It is a like 50, isn't it like a $50 million lawsuit? Yeah, it's a $50 million lawsuit because Amber Heard wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post a few years ago, basically all but naming Johnny Depp as being an abusive partner in this op-ed. Johnny Depp was like, hey, 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 you are na- you are implying that this is about me, so I'm going to sue you. Then I believe there was a countersuit. So this thing is still messy and it's still in the courts. Yeah. And uh, James Franco is going to get hauled in because I guess there was some allegation that he had an affair with Amber Heard. Yeah, that was one of the things is that James Franco, I believe, was in some footage in the elevator with Amber Heard and that he was privy to information that is critical to this lawsuit. And this is bad timing for him, which is why we'll talk about him in the third hour, because, of course, he's been talking about things that. Uh, just roll our eyes anyway i'm glad that Meghan markle has had uh this moment it's not like it's not like she is uh, like this was the worst case that she had to deal with but of the things that she's had to face in terms of negative publicity this is where those stories have originated for the most part Mm -hmm. and so hopefully they'll think twice before they try to do something like this in the future although part of me just thinks that's probably not true because they're probably going to continue to do things because if you think about it too it's just allowed them the opportunity to rehash all of these stories and get their publicity out again right and get their name out there and they probably you know any publicity is good publicity yeah absolutely and and also just looking at the way that the united states press is covering the story about Meghan markle in the mail on sunday versus the uk press the United States press is like, hey, look, the Mail on Sunday made a front page apology, had to, to Meghan Markle. I'm looking for the UK tabloid coverage of yeah, this. That's yeah, happen. that's not really happening that much. No. In, no. in fact, when we return, we're going to do uh, celebrities behaving badly. And actually, both of those are not actual celebrities. They're tabloids. Because what do you know? tabloids continue to behave as tabloids do in bad faith and. Um, Nastily. Yeah, they're going to earn their crowns today. Exactly. So uh, let's find out who got the D bag crown when we return here on the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. Don't forget, we've got an app so you can listen to all of our wonderful shows after the fact and your favorite My Talk podcasts, and you can register to win prizes, listener rewards right there, MyTalk1071.com. Thank you, Brian, and welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley Show. It's about 1.30 on Monday. It's the 27th of December, if you've forgotten or just given up on remembering what day it is and where we are at the end of 2021. I'm Bradley Trainer, Holly Roberts, Brian, along for the ride today. When we return... Oh, wait, we just did. See, I'm already forgetting where I am, Holly. <laughs> it's time to talk about our favorite Lord and Lady D-Bag. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Who 
who's my D-bag? Yeah, who is your D-bag, Bradley? Thank you for asking, Holly. My D-bag today is not a celebrity. It is a tabloid. Ooh. A tabloid by the name of the sun. Oh, frequent flyer. Boom. Santa snub. Chloe Kardashian snubs Tristan Thompson as she poses with their daughter True for a Santa pick amid NBA stars scandal. Okay, so that promises to offer a snub. What is a snub, Holly? Like, paint a snub picture for me. A snub. <laughs> the term snub often Sorry, used. Sorry, I gave you very little warning. Oh, that's all right. I, I think I can pull one out. So, snub sometimes. Let's put it in the context of celebrity. Put it in the context of awards, where it's like, this actor was snubbed for getting an Oscar nomination. No, they just didn't nominate you for an award, honey. You didn't get snubbed. And in the same way, that's not a snub. This photograph of Khloe Kardashian, their daughter, True, in Santa Claus is not a snub of Tristan Thompson. It's just a photograph with him not in it. Also, the headline is misleading, Bradley, because if it was Santa snub... Then it would be Khloe Kardashian snubbing Santa. Right? Santa snub. Or Santa snubbing her. And he's like looking the other way like, bitch. You know, like, it's there's no snubbage. Why are you over there with Rudolph? There's no snubbery. I'm over here. They're not snubbing. Also, that sounds like a tab on Pornhub. Snubbage? Well, Snubbery? No, Santa snubs. Oh, Santa like snub. <laughs> no, that's Santa's nubs. Ooh. <laughs> You 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 misplaced the uh, space in that. Somebody out there likes Santa's that. Santa's nub. Oh. Totally different thing. And thanks, Holly, for now putting that image in all of our minds. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. Maybe some of you like that. Something tells me there is a Santa tab for the holidays. Ho, ho, ho. And I don't want to know. But I do now because you put it in my head. But I do just want to be clear. There is a photograph with an article that basically just tells us that um, there is some controversy around Chloe and Tristan's relationship. Apropos of nothing in the photograph of her and Santa Claus. Yeah, this is the case of a tabloid creating a nonsense story out of a photograph. I mean, what else are they going to say about this photograph? It's that Khloe Kardashian is with her daughter, True. They both look great. Santa's looking all right, too. And they're taking a picture at a holiday party. Now, that's a pretty boring story. That's not going to get clicks like Santa snub. Yeah, right. Exactly. And also... um, I then just spent all this time thinking about the photograph that was posted, which is Santa standing next to Chloe. Like, there, it's not your typical Santa photo. And then I was like, did they invite a Santa over? And then I was like, I bet the Kardashians have a guy that shows up to their house. Like, they bring, you know, because people do this, right? Don't they, like, have a guy come over? Dressed as Santa Claus, you know, a fill-in Santa, yeah, if you will, Santa, has, Santa can't be everywhere. Santa has many representatives yeah. throughout the land yeah. because Santa is a very busy guy. I don't know if you paid attention to the Google tracker over the it's holiday. True. He's very busy. He's a modern man on the go. How he gets to all those places. I don't know. And down the chimney. Anyway, the moral of the story is I was like, that guy's probably got a lot of stories. The guy who is like the Santa representative for the Kardashians. Yeah. Also, remember that the Kardashians love to throw a holiday party. Mm. And so sparing no expense to hire a Santa representative is not a big deal for somebody like Kris Jenner and the Kardashians to be like, you know what? We're not even going to go to the Santa representative. We're going to have one come to us. I also just think it's weird that it's not a photo of like the kids sitting on Santa's lap. Do we not do that anymore? It's just like Santa's there for the party. 
I mean, like you he's know, just hanging out. Santa is there to party. It looks right. like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Santa's hitting that nog. He's got his hair down. Yeah. He's uh, not wearing a hat. Mm-hmm. I will say his beard looks very real. Well, Sometimes yeah. Santa representatives maybe don't have the realest of beards. Yeah, this one looks like uh, he's been working his game all year round. Yeah. he. Lo- it's like a very, a very um, like, um, you know, just like a real Santa. Like a, you know, like he's like, I just imagine there are different Santa representatives, right? Like, like a street smart Santa. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's real, you know. Yeah. He's just hanging out with the Kardashians. He's got seniority, the Santa representative. And uh, big white hands. Do you see how big his hand looks? <laughs> he's got wear it like white gloves on. Santa snub. Santa snub. No, it's Santa's nub. All right, from Santa's <laughs> nub to another tabloid who's a D-bag today. Holly, who's your D-bag? Ooh, Bradley, we've got another frequent flyer. We're giving some ooh, wings ooh. today to the Daily Mail. Oh! oh! The Daily Mail. What did they do? Well, they're making me look at this exclusive article, and I am not here for it. I don't want to look, Bradley. Okay. I don't want to look, Brian. At pictures of shirtless Jeff Bezos on a yacht in St. Bart's. Yeah, I know. He's shirtless. Exclusive. He's like... Buff billionaire. He's he's ripped. Jeff Bezos shows off his very muscular physique in pink Hawaiian shorts as he packs on the PDA with Lauren Sanchez on a yacht in St. Bart's. And I say Daily Mail... Don't want to look at these pictures. I don't. But then you made me click on them. And now I'm really sad about it. That you're pushing this Jeff Bezos who has gone through a full supervillain makeover, by the way. Yeah. Um, and now we have to look at this. I don't It's just awkward. Can we talk about, okay, there's something I actually am very um, intrigued by and it's not his body. No, you're intrigued by the boat and you want to find out where oh my it is God, on the you yacht tracker. exactly where I was going because I'm looking through the images and what do we notice? Because the name of the yacht is blurred it's out. It's obscured. And Brian, I'm here to tell you that is not common. And so the fact that the, the paparazzi in question who captured these photos blurred out the name of his yacht tells me I'm assuming that somebody in Team Bezos got to Elliot Press Mega IMP Backgrid or whoever, you know, published those photos and requested that it be removed. Because, I mean, even David Geffen, we know the name of David Geffen's yacht. Yes, we do, because we've tracked David Geffen's yacht, David Geffen, billionaire entertainment entrepreneur. We tracked his boat all across the Mediterranean and then the Caribbean. Also, Bradley, now you've planted this into my mind, that these pictures were called by Jeff Bezos, who wanted the paparazzi to come and take pictures of him shirtless on the yacht, slapping Lauren Sanchez's behind... I mean, <laughs> and so so he's playing the paparazzi game. He's playing the tabloid game. So don't think that playing the tabloid game is beneath anybody on Earth. Oh, God, no. And especially I mean, we know here's the thing. I think, you know how people have bad thoughts about Jeff Bezos, meaning generally speaking, if you were to put like a a sort of like tally board up of like famous people like Jeff Bezos in headlines generally criticized or looked down upon. Right. By by many, not all, right? Because he's very successful in business. 
And you can say why you think that people don't like him and they have legitimate reasons. And I would certainly have a critique of, you know, business practices of Amazon, whatever. But like when it comes to the person of Jeff Bezos and how you feel about him, um, what was my point? Oh, my point is, I think it's because he wants to be a celebrity. Yeah. And that then... And he enters a system wherein you're going to have feelings about him because tabloids will cover him. He will do these paparazzi things and that will give you things to have opinions about in a way that like maybe you don't have the same viral opinions about other super rich people that probably are also on a yacht in St. Bart's on any given holiday. Also, you see what I'm saying? Like, it is very much his own doing that we have thoughts about Jeff Bezos. Oh, absolutely. And that's why these pictures are so awkward, Bradley, because it's Jeff Bezos. Let's just assume this. This is a story that kind of makes sense. Jeff Bezos called the paparazzi and was like, hey. I'm not going to be wearing a shirt on my yacht. I've been really working on my muscles uh, because I've been getting swole. And I want you to take pictures of me lounging with my with my beautiful, smart, intelligent helicopter pilot girlfriend. And so he wants to it just it 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 reeks of him that. And I suppose that this is a very it's a human thing. But I also quite find it terrifying. Why is that even Jeff Bezos? One of the most powerful, wealthy, influential people on planet Earth still just wants to attention. be attention. And he yeah. wants to be seen as a celebrity. And because perhaps now I haven't met Jeff Bezos, but something tells me that he's just trying to be so cool. He's going Which into is why, he's yeah. going into space in his <laughs> Schweena's ships. He's and he wants to do that and he wants to be a cool, powerful guy with his swollen arms with veins popping out of them and he shaved his head and he wants to be sexy and cool and he's trying so hard, but it doesn't come from a place of authenticity with him. Yeah. It's very studied. Well, it's very intentional. And intentional. And I think we can all smell that. Yeah. Because we've all, you know, swum in the celebrity pool long enough to see people who, you know, are in one corner going, hi, look at me over here <laughs> versus like, I'm busy doing something amazing and people want to know what that's about. Yeah. And I think that he's very much the kind of person that lives off of that celebrity in a way, which is bad, I think for business. And I, it would be smart for him to get as far away from his business as humanly possible. Because if you are thinking about Jeff, Be- how you think about Jeff Bezos as a person has an influence on how you think of Amazon as a company, like those two things probably don't go together very well. Yeah, well, now I think that, gosh, I don't want to be saying anything's out of school, but I think that Jeff Bezos is transitioning from the day in and day out operations of Amazon, and he's moving towards being Celebrity Schweenus. I'm flying in my rocket ship. Yeah. Although for Celebrity Schweenus, because I'm all for Schweenus rocket ships. Yeah. I I think space is an amazing frontier, and Mm -hmm. people who have the ability to do it can learn a lot about science in the future and blah, blah, blah. They just launched this giant... Space telescope. It's so amazing what they did. Go look at it online. Um, I don't know that his personality being the face of space exploration is like the thing we need right now. Yeah. I think he should maybe just enjoy St. Bart's and his, you know, fabulous girlfriend and all his money. Right. Yeah. Just enjoy yourself, Jeff Bezos. Like leave the celebrities to the celebrities. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm going to find out what his yacht is and I'll, I'll share it with you 
if I find out. Thank you. And then we can track Jeff Bezos. All right. When we come back here on the Colleen and Bradley show, oh, somebody who maybe should spend some time away from cameras, Alec Baldwin. Holly is very curious about his recent PR tactics. We'll discuss them upon our return here on My Talk 1071. Holly's really curious about Alec Baldwin's PR tactics of late following the tragedy on the set of the film Rust. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. And Holly, why? Why are you, or I should say rather, what are you curious about in particular? Well, over the holiday weekend, and and this has been happening in the past month or so, seeing all of these articles front and center on People.com, Page Six, etc., our favorite tabloids, really focusing on Alec Baldwin and Hillary Baldwin, his wife, and their kids. And, you know, they've been going through a lot because earlier this year, uh, there was an accidental death on the set of Alec Baldwin's movie Rust, killing uh, the assistant cinematographer Helena Hutchins. And, well, not the assistant, just the cinematographer of the movie. And a tragic accident and really just horrific. And any time that these things happen on film sets, it it definitely gives you pause on reflecting on how movies get made and how safety is of paramount importance. And Alec Baldwin was at the center of this because he allegedly held the firearm that went off, causing Helena Hutchinson's death. Now, he was on with ABC News, George Stephanopoulos. I did not watch that interview. Because I was out of town, and I just never bothered to catch up with it. We watched it and talked about it after the fact. It was very, um, mm, gosh, odd is not the right word, but um, interesting. Also uh-huh. another word that probably does not aptly describe the interview. Like a Minnesota interesting. Yeah, because it was like, why are we doing this? You're, I'm not sure. I think I know why, and I think it's probably the same reason why, or at the root of what you're concerned with, but I'm not going to tell you what that is just yet, because I'd rather you finish telling us why you're curious uh, before you, before I tell you why I think I'm curious. Yeah. So there are a series of stories over on the tabloids and this is on Alec Baldwin's social media, you know, he's sending his well wishes to fans, thanking them for their support during this really rough time. Yeah. And it's very curious where it's like, huh, that you're so forward with your public presence at a time where there's a serious investigation going yeah. on on why this person died on the set of it's your movie. It's possible he or someone else could be charged, actually. Right, exactly. Yeah. So this is a very serious thing. So you have Alec Baldwin sending messages to its fans on social media. On the other hand, Hilaria Baldwin is moving full force with her family social media because that's her job and that's what she does. And so that they're so forward-facing during this really critical and serious time, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Because whenever a celebrity is getting headlines in these big tabloids, it usually leads to the road of public relations, meaning that they probably have hired public relations people to center these stories in a public narrative, guiding it in a particular way. And it's like, huh, that's really fascinating. I wonder why Alec Baldwin is doing this while this uh, is still under investigation. And like you said, Bradley, he could still be charged criminally in all of this. I honestly just I don't have any reason to say this, but my assumption would be that he is trying to win the court of public opinion or be found not guilty or be found not responsible or whatever, whatever the ruling is he's looking for. This is an extreme attempt to shape 
the public's perception of the event, regardless of what actually happened and what will actually be adjudicated by a court of law. Like it is more important to Alec Baldwin that the public perception ruling or rules in his favor is ruled in his favor goes in his favor favor. I don't have words versus the actual legal implications because that's neither here nor there. And we'll probably, I shouldn't say neither here nor there. That is of importance to a very specific set of people, which understandably is the people who lost their loved one mm-hmm. and the justice system. But Alec Baldwin is over here with a career that requires a public image that allows him to continue to work. And so I feel like everything is for, you know, maintaining his innocence in the court of public opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. But but in terms of like the actual strategy and why and how it's being played out, I have no idea. Yeah. And that's why I'm curious about it. Because over the weekend, Bradley, I ran across this really extensive article over on Variety.com. That is a trade publication for the business of Hollywood. We get a lot of stories from there. And I was really curious about So I was like, oh, here's the headline. It says, Russ Producer, that's the movie that we're talking about, key advisor, her dad, pushed tax shelters and hid income, IRS says. Uh, oh. Okay, now that's a whole new layer. So this is a whole new layer to this story about the movie Rust. And if there's one thing that is held true in my experience as a human being is always follow the money. Interesting. Okay, what conspiracy theory are we, <laughs> rabbit hole are we going down now? Where's my tinfoil hat? Well, the tinfoil hat has to do with the way that this movie Rust was financed. Now, if you're not familiar with film financing, totally get it. Here to say it's really complicated and everyone should be applauded if they get a movie made, period. It is hard to find the money to get anything made. Well, this woman who was serving as financer for this movie, her name is Emily Salveson. She works with a company called Streamline Global. Essentially, what this company is saying is that we're going to make it really easy for you to find money to make your movies. How great is that? That seems great. That mm, seems but great. What's the catch? And also, you as an investor and a producer in this movie are going to start making money once the movie goes into production, not when the movie is released and distributed per usual. So to make it really well, enticing for like people like Oh, so you're saying that there's an incentive to get involved in this movie even if it never happens. Well, if it happens, even if it doesn't get released. Okay. Yeah. So like for an investor, say Bradley, you've got $10,000 and you want to get into the movie business. You want to be a producer. You sink your $10,000 into a movie, but you might not be able to get that $10,000 back until it hits a profit after it's been released and distributed. Well, what this woman is doing with her scheme at Streamline Global is like, you can invest that $10,000, Bradley, and you can start making your money back once the movie starts rolling into production interesting okay that makes sense but now connect that how does alec baldwin play into this because he's a producer on the movie oh, oh. no so i don't see to, this is all conspiracy so saying, theory yeah no totally yeah, conspiratorial uh-huh. thinking which we do quite a bit and we're not legal experts or movie production well, so what I'm, yeah so what i'm saying and i'm connecting some pretty big dots yeah, but i'm curious about free. this story curious about okay the movie rust 
He's a producer, one of many on this movie, getting this movie made. Well, one of the criticisms about the set of the movie Rust is that it was unsafe, Mm -hmm. that people were working under poor working conditions. And many of the people who were on the set of that film were complaining about that before this accident happened. So what my conspiratorial mind is thinking is that all this good public opinion, court of public opinion, is really kind of obfuscating the fact that perhaps this movie was being made solely to benefit and line the investors' pockets. Because then it's like, well, I'm just making money when this movie is in production. So we don't care about the final product So we don't really care about the final product. And, you know, okay, it's neither here nor here. And I will say, he did, uh, Alec Baldwin did in that interview with George Stephanopoulos, very much try to play down any criticisms of what the conditions on the set were. Mm -hmm. Um, And by basically saying it was like they wanted nicer hotel rooms. Well, yeah. So that's where Mike. Okay, well, I'm glad that you added that, Bradley. So what I'm saying is that there's a really deep story here, and I don't know how we're going to get to the bottom of it. I'm just, and there's a bunch of tax stuff. I'm not going to bore you with that. So what you're saying is somebody at the New York Times needs to get busy investigating things, because here on the Colleen and Bradley show, we're busy acting like boobs and we can't do all that hard stuff. <laughs> well, but yes. we're on to something and Holly, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, so Alec Baldwin playing the public PR game to people in page 6. Look over there while there's actually some really serious implications financially, safety-wise and other things. Well, don't look at that. Just look at me on Got Instagram. It. Holly, thank you. You're welcome. For doing the heavy lifting. When we come back, no heavy lifting. Simply this. What was your favorite watch? of the year, not like timepiece, like TV or movie. 651-641-1071.